Humans and non-binary fools. Tonight's explosion where fandom rules. In today's episode, we're ready to ignite as we delve into the cult classic, Rocky Horror's Delight. Get ready to dance, sing, and embrace the absurd as we explore the film that's long endured. From Frankenfurter's castle to the time warp's tall, we journey through the midnight, having a ball. Join us as we unravel the show's bizarre lore, from Brad and Janet's innocence that we'll explore, with outrageous characters and catchy tunes, the Rocky Horror Picture Show truly croons. Grab your fishnets, prepare for the ride, as Nerdsplosion takes you on a wild, thrilling stride. So, if you please, come up to the lab. It's alright, don't be shy, see what's on the slab. From Magenta and Riff Raff to Rocky and Eddie, this movie is a weird one, so I hope you're ready. It's just a jump to the left and a step to the right. Prepare, dear listeners, for the story of one very wild night. <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show, a certified classic. I absolutely love this movie. I grew up with this movie. It's just been, it definitely had an impact. Like, me and my friends obsessed over this movie. Like, we constantly, we had our own jokes about it. It just, I really love this movie. But before I get into why I love this movie, let me tell, you know, some of you might be wondering, what the hell is this movie? God, this looks like a weird movie, Cameron. What the hell is this? Well, hold on a second. Let me explain it to you, you impatient little nice person that you are. <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. It came out in 1975. It's, it's uh, classified as a musical comedy horror film. It was produced by Lou Adler and Michael White, directed by Jim Sharman, and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Now, the screenplay was also written by Sharman, along with Richard O'Brien, who also acts in the film. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show is based on a stage performance from 1973 called The Rocky Horror Show, and the music, book, and lyrics were also written by Richard O'Brien. Production, the uh, whole movie, I should say, is a tribute to science fiction and horror B-movies of the 1930s through to the early 1960s. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, oh, you know, we're going to pay tribute to these old horror movies while also being a musical and also being a comedy. Some of the cast members of this movie include Tim Curry, uh, Susan Sarandon, Barry Boswick, the aforementioned Richard O'Brien, uh, Charles Gray, Neil Campbell, Patricia Quinn, and also the late great Meatloaf, rest in peace. Let's see here. It was, it released August 14th, 1975 in the UK and September 26th, 1975 in the United States. That'll actually be important information. Like, there's a difference between the UK release and the US release that I'll get into later. But this movie had a budget of $1.4 million and at the box office brought in $226 million. Holy shit. To go from $1.4 million budget to bringing in Two hundred twenty-six million dollars. That's a lot of money. Excuse me while I tap into a cold one. Oh my god, that's good. For those wondering, it is a Dr Pepper cherry. You know the the chain of sodas. <laughs> uh, this film was shot in the UK. Initial reception of this movie was extremely negative, but it soon became a hit as a midnight movie when audiences began participating with the film at the Waverly Theater in New York City in 1976. Audience members returned to the cinemas frequently and talked back to the screen and began dressing as the characters, spawning similar performance groups across the United States. At almost the same time, fans in costume at the King's Court Theater in Pittsburgh began performing alongside the film. This shadow cast mimed the actions on screen above and behind them while lip syncing their characters' lines. 
still in limited release in 2023, some 48 years after its premiere, it is the longest-running theatrical release in film history. In many cities, live amateur shadow casts act out the film as it is being shown and heavily drawn, draw upon a tradition of audience participation. This film is often shown close to Halloween, which is you know exactly why I'm covering it for this episode. Today, you know, nowadays, the film has a large international cult following and has been considered by many as one of the greatest musical films of all time. In 2005, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, quote-unquote. So, what is the plot of this godforsaken movie? I'm just going to read it right off of this, so that way, I sound smart. <laughs> the film begins with a pair of floating, disembodied lips welcoming the audience to a science fiction double feature, and thus sending the name of the, you know, sending the song of the same name. I will say, this song is, you know, a, this the song is just a great intro to the movie, and I absolutely love it. I'll actually put a little bit of it in here to you know, kind of show it off, but yeah, the movie opens with the song Science Fiction Double Feature. From that, we move into, you know, the actual meat and bones of the film. Now, the film takes place in, like, 1974, late November of 1974. Uh, Brad and Janet are attending their friend's wedding, and the one thing I love about this opening scene is that, like, if you've seen the movie before and you pay close attention when everybody's getting their picture taken, the three, four, four people in the back that seem to be, like, the caretakers of the place are actually uh, Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, and... Uh, uh, Patricia Quinn themselves and uh, Neil Neil Campbell who play obviously Frank Furter, Riff Raff, uh, Magenta and Columbia it's like it took me a while to realize that and I was like oh yeah they're just there like I wonder if they're like spying on anybody or if they're just supposed to be different characters but that's one of the th one thing I noticed right away but anyway this beginning uh Brad and Janet are attending a wedding for a friend of theirs and the friend takes off everybody leaves leaving Brad and Janet behind and Brad is coping is thinking about like oh I really want to propose to Janet because we've been together for so long I want to propose to Janet and this is done through the song, Damn It, Janet, which I'll play a little bit right here. Janet, the future is ours, so let's plan it. Janet, so please don't tell me to can it. Janet, I have one thing to say, and that's damn it, Janet. I From there, you. we move on to, you know, well, after the fact, they're driving down the road, they're taking a trip somewhere. And it's the middle of the night, it's raining, and suddenly they get a flat tire and they try to figure out what to do. Uh, Brad tries to go out and try to fix it, but he there's no extra tire in the car. So what they end up doing is they end up walking down the road to, and they find a castle, which another song plays during this over at the Frankenstein place, which is another great song. I'll put a little bit of it right here. After that beautiful song ends, we see Brad and Janet finally come up to the castle and we get introduced to Riff Raff who answers the door and he, you know, he welcomes them in. <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite scenes because it's, I don't know, it's just kind of awkward and it's really funny. Like they answer the door and you know, like they're like, hi, I'm Brad Majors. We're looking for a phone. And then Riff Raff is just like, you're wet. And then Janet, after a long pause, is just like, yes. It's raining. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, you dumb fuck. It's raining. <laughs> and Riff Raff is just like, perhaps you better come inside. 
Um, you know, he invites them in and he describes to them that their master is putting on a party of sorts. And, you know, basically it's a big convention and, he, you know, they're in the middle of a big celebration. And as they're explaining this, we also get introduced to Magenta, who is like... I don't know if she's actually the maid or she was just dressed like one. There, there's a lot that happens in this movie that some gets explained, some doesn't. But, you know, as they're explaining everything, we go into probably the most infamous song from this musical or just this infamous, most infamous song ever, uh, Time Warp, which is just a banger of a song. Fun fact, I actually... So, with my wedding, which... By the way, my anniversary is this month, and I just, I don't know if my wife is listening to this, but I am so excited to see what we do for the anniversary. But anyway, speaking back to uh, my wedding, now, obviously for, like, a wedding DJ, you can pick whatever, you can pick some songs for them to play, like, for the father-daughter, the mother-son, uh, for the first dance for the bride and groom, uh, we, we picked those and then I was just like everything else, like, you know what, just play whatever you want. But I did say that like, no matter what time warp has to be in there for like the bridal party dance, I just, it has to be included. So anyway, we go on to the song time warp. Very quickly after that, you know, Brad and Jenna are just like, oh, what the fuck? Also, I should add, before I get too ahead of myself, that I, th I believe it basically what this movie ended up doing is there's a version of this where the whole beginning of the movie up to the time warp point is in black and white. And there's a part in time warp where they're, they, uh, Brad and Janet bust through these doors and they see like this big hall and everybody's just like, let's do the time warp again. And that's when the movie switches the color. I thought that was really cool anyway. But so anyway, after time warp, Brad and Janet are just like, all right, this is weird. Let's leave. And that's when we start to get introduced to uh, Dr. Frankenfurter, who's slowly coming down the elevator. And we lead into yet another song, which is probably the other most well-known song from this from this movie, uh, Sweet Transvestite. You know, the one that starts off with Frankenfurter being like, How do you do, I've See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little brought down because when you not, he, he thought, thought you were the handyman. By the way I look Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania My favorite part of that song is the ending Where he's just like, so Come up to lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> but not the symptom. So. After that, really against their will, Brad and Janet are stripped down to basically just their underwear and, you know, just an overshirt and their underwear. 
they get invited up to Frankenfurter's lab where they find out what this celebration is for and why everybody's at this castle. They're celebrating uh, Frankenfurter because he's basically, he's a mad scientist. They're celebrating him finally finishing his experiment and his experiment is to create a man. You know, he creates a man he names Rocky Horror. So there's, you know, that whole thing. And actually, before I do that, I want to put in the uh, the speech that Frankenfurter gives because it's probably, at least to me, one of the more iconic parts of this movie. So here is Frankenfurter's speech. My unconventional conventionalists, <laughs> you are to witness a new breakthrough in biochemical research. And paradox is to be mad. It was strange, strange the way it happened. Suddenly, you had a break. All the pieces seemed to fit into place. Not a sucker you'd been, or a fool. The answer was there all the time. It took a small accident to make it happen. An accident! And that's how I discovered the secret. Elusive ingredient, that spark that is the breath of life. Yes, I have that knowledge. I uphold the secret to life itself. So with that, we did the sequence where Frankenfurter unveils his experiment, you know, making a man that he then names Rocky. And this actually, this song, I believe this song didn't appear in the soundtrack. Let me, let me look through my music quick. Uh, go to Apple Music, search Rocky, not Totty, Rock E, not Ricky. God damn it, thumbs work. <laughs> okay. Right, there we go. Rocky Horror album. Uh, no, it's not in here. So there's a song that's not even on the official soundtrack, but it's a song that's included in the film. Uh, the song is called Sword of Damocles, and it's basically the song that Rocky sings immediately upon being born. It's actually a great song. So here is Sword of Damocles. Quite a banner, huh? My favorite thing about like this scene in general is, you know, Rocky's doing his whole thing. He's wandering around the whole lab and he's like, I'm in the start of a pretty big town. So he's sitting or whatever, right? And then Frankfurt is just chasing him. At one point, he's like, uh, he's in the middle of like all the other uh, Transylvanians. And he looks back and uh, Frankfurt is just on his knees and Frankfurt just goes, and then immediately following that he's running down this ramp and then Frankenfurt is chasing after him yeah he's got like a lab coat on and he just goes wow it just lifted his dress it's just <laughs> like he just like Tim Curry like gave his all in this scene <laughs> my god so Anyway, we get into that, you know, Rocky's just like, he's freaking out because, you know, he's just gained sentience and, uh, Frankenfurter kind of stole him and he's like, you know what? I'm going to forgive you because I'm horny. <laughs> so after that, you know, we, we get another song, you know, surprising for a musical. We get a song of Frankenfurter, uh, demonstrating that he f can, in fact, in seven days, make you a man. <laughs> high protein and swallow raw eggs try to build up his shoulders his chest arms and legs such an effort if he only knew of my plan in just seven days i can make you a man 
so immediately following that, I'm talking like almost as soon as the song ends, we have, well, Frankenfurter's at his arms around rocking. They're sharing a moment. All of a sudden, this alarm goes off and this vault door comes crashing down and there's like a wall of wall of dry ice or whatever. And out comes Eddie on a motorcycle. And apparently, this is a experiment that uh, Frankenfurter had previously done to his you know, Frankenfurter's trying to make a man for himself, trying to make a, like, like a potential mate, and Eddie was the first attempt and ultimately failed because he developed feelings for people other than himself. But Eddie comes crashing through this door, Eddie being played by the the immortal, the the you know, fantastic meatloaf. He's just he's amazing in this role and he only really appears in this movie for this specific song and obviously the song is called eddie and he kind of does his own thing he grabs columbia and goes around the whole lab but anyway for those of you wondering here is eddie I always want to call that song Eddie, but the actual name of that song is Hopatootie, parentheses, Bless My Soul. I just always want to call it Eddie because it is Eddie's song. Now, the thing with this song, immediately, like, at the end of it, Frankenfurter is obviously pissed off that Eddie is running around. Frankenfurter eventually grabs an axe, chases Eddie down, like, at the end of the song, and brutally murders Eddie inside the freezer. And while this whole time... So, during the song, Columbia is running around because Columbia really had a thing for Eddie, and obviously, Frankenfurter doesn't like Eddie. So, that's <laughs> thus why, at the end of the song, Frankenfurter like brutally murders Eddie so the whole time you know Freddy Freddy is murdering Eddie uh Columbia is freaking the fuck out and Freddy Freddy comes stumbling out of the out of the vault and then Freddy Freddy is just like one from the vaults so then you know uh, I'm trying to remember what happens after that like I'm I draw a blank between like this part of the movie because there's like a lot of stuff there's not really like big dramatic stuff that happens but basically what happens at this part is that um Frankenfurter and Eddie or Frankenfurter and Rocky go to their chambers and they're like all right you know stay for the night or whatever uh Brad and Janet go to their separate rooms I guess because they wanted them to have separate rooms and it's during this part of the movie where Frankenfurter decides he wants to seduce both of them so first uh Frankenfurter I th- believe Frankenfurter goes into uh goes into Janet's room and pretends to be Brad and tries to seduce her. And, you know, they ended up, you know, Janet's just like, no, I can't, no, married. But Frankenfurter actually, like, is apparently really convincing because I guess Janet at this point doesn't know the just say no part and Frankenfurter doesn't respect boundaries. So Janet eventually gives in. So... Either she was really easily influenced, Frankenfurter is just that good at influencing people, or Janet's a bit of a whore. So, first, uh, Frankenfurter seduces Janet and they do whatever, and then Frankenfurter sneaks into Brad's room and does the same thing, pretends to be Janet, and basically does the same thing he did to Janet, you know, seducing him. And the only difference is, at this point, Janet runs throughout the castle. She's like, oh my god, how did I do this? I'm a horrible person. And she finds Rocky. Or, no, she doesn't find Rocky yet. She finds, uh, she goes back to the lab somehow. She finds herself in the lab again. She turns on a screen and, you know, she sneaks into, because she has a suspicion that, he that Frankenfurter did the same thing to Brad, and of course, you know she uh, she sees it on the screen after you know Frankenfurter had seduced Brad, and they 
you know, fooled around or whatever. Brad smoked a cigarette. And then the part that really gets me is that Janice is like, oh, Brad, how could you? Like, bitch, you just did the same thing with the same person. And you're you're judging him? And so she's all distressed or whatever. And then she finds out that Rocky has sitting in the, the same vat that he was created in. And, you know, because earlier, you know, while this, all this was going on, Riff Raff, along with Magenta, decided to kind of bully Rocky. So while Rocky is sleeping on the bed, Riff Raff takes this, like, big uh, candle stick thing and just, like, taunts him with it and taunts him until Rocky ends up running away. He runs out of the mansion. He runs around. The dogs are chasing him. Somehow, at some point, he makes it back into the castle, back into the vet that he was created in to try to hide from everything. And that's where Janet ends up finding him. So Janet's just like, oh, you're hurt. Let me help you. And, you know, she's like, oh, okay, it's okay. And then she looks at him and she starts getting starts getting a little funny feeling you know she starts she starts getting a little horny so she's like well if brad messed around with frankenfurter then i'm gonna mess around with rocky even though like i said she literally did the same thing but no he's the bad guy but anyway whatever so she has the idea of you know she wants to get it on with rocky and that is basically done through the song Touch a touch a touch me. Basically, a song about Janet saying that, oh, she's never had sex before, but I'm willing to do it with you, Rocky. So, basically, this whole song is, like, Janet, like, oh, I've never had sex before, and then Rocky's just, you know, not ever having sex either, because he doesn't know what sex is. So, basically, this is Janet guiding Rocky through sex, and there's, like, a certain part of the song where Janet uh, takes Rocky's hands and, like, puts them on her breasts, and, you know, so Rocky can feel him up. <laughs> I don't know why, it's just funny to me, because obviously she's just like, oh, I'm getting in the mood, and Rocky's just like, whoa, whoa boobs! <laughs> my, <laughs> my other favorite part of the song. So, there's a, there's a part towards the end, like the key changes or whatever, and so Janet, or Susan Randon, sings out Creature of the Night. And while they're so Rocky is on top of Janet, I'm trying not to get too descriptive, but basically they're you know boinky boinky boy to boink, and so uh, Janet's sending out a creature of the night, and uh, so it goes to a shot of like Janet's perspective, and during what they do is that they put different uh, characters in this, so it's different characters repeating the phrase creature of the night, so it's like uh, Frankenfurter. Uh, Magenta, Brad, uh, Columbia, Riff Raff, and then finally Rocky. So each of them say it a different way. There's like, like one of it's like creature of the night. I think that's Brad. And then Frankfurt is like creature of the night. And then Riff Raff is like creature of the night. And then Magenta is like creature of the night. And then Columbia is like creature of the night. And then there's Rocky, who obviously, you know, let's remember, they're in the middle of doing the do, and instead of, like, saying it normally or, like, singing it out, he's just like, creature of the night! Like, you can tell he's about to finish. Like, that's him, like, about to come. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the song ends with Janet being like, creature of the night, ah! And then, you know, obviously, she finished as well. <laughs> I think this is the first time I've actually talked about sex on this podcast. <laughs> no, that just gets me every time. Just the creature of the night. Like, he's, like, literally about to finish. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Whew, okay, let's get back on track. Let's get more. Let's get back into the movie. So, so we do a little, let's do a little bit of fast forwarding here. So, 
there's this part, uh, Frederick Furter, along with Brad and Riffraff, come up to the lab, and Frederick Furter is mad at Riffraff for basically letting Rocky escape and he whips him or whatever. And eventually, we get introduced to our next character, Dr. Scott, who apparently is co- has come to the lab to look for look for somebody and uh Frederick Furter is like who is this person and Brad is just like oh hey that's Dr. Scott and uh Riff Raff almost slips up he's like you know this human this person uh and Brad is just like oh he's just you know he's this guy I know him from school and uh Frederick Furter gets a little suspicious because let's remember that they are aliens so uh dr scott is you know he works with the government or whatever or at least that's what they say so they invite him in uh dr scott so frankenfurter ends up turning on this like ultra powered magnet that is able to drag dr scott in his wheelchair all the way through the castle busting through a tile wall in the lab down the ramp and up to him and dr scott is like well frankenfurter we meet at last and then Brad, you know, says, oh, hey, Dr. Stein. And then Dr. Stein's like, Brad, Brad, what are you doing here? So basically this whole thing, Frankenfurter doesn't trust Dr. Scott because he knows he's somehow with the government. And he's like, oh, I don't trust you. You know, you work for these guys. Basically, Frankenfurter is on to the fact that, like, he knows that they're not of this planet. They're not of Earth. But Dr. Stout reveals that the only reason is there is that he's looking for his nephew, Eddie. Which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really make sense. Just as like, oh, well, if Frankenfurter created Eddie to try to be a mate, but also yeah, he's the nephew of Dr. Scott, that kind of makes me believe that uh, Eddie wasn't actually created. He was kind of just like brought into that world. And, you know, he was influenced by Frankenfurter. Actually, yeah, there is a note that, you know, in a later episode... Hi, Mochi. There is uh, a thing later in the movie that kind of explains a little bit of it. It's like a little offhand uh, lyric in a song, but it kind of explains what Eddie's whole thing is. So Eddie basically was brainwashed into being Frankenfurter's mate until he was ultimately frozen away and then came back for Hapitu- that song Hapatuti to ultimately just be killed by Frankenfurter again. So anyway... Uh, Dr. Scott reveals, you know, he's there for his nephew, Eddie. And then everybody's just, like, shocked. And we hear Janet gasp. So, Frankenfurter goes over to the vet, pulls off the blanket to find those two after they've done the do. And it leads to probably my favorite part of this whole movie, where everybody just repeatedly repeats everybody's name. Now, I'm going to play this part for you, and I'm not playing it, I'll repeat. This is actually how the scene goes. (gasps) 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 Dr. Scott. Listen, I made you, and I can break you just as easily. So obviously tensions are very high, and to kind of break the tension, but not really, while this is going on, Magenta shows up, bangs a gone, and she's like, Master, dinner is prepared! So, with tension still being very high, we cut to a dinner scene. They're all at this dinner, you know, they're all sitting at this table, and, you know, obviously no one's talking to each other. It's very awkward and quiet because of, you know, what just the events that just happened. Uh, you know, Riff Raff is pouring drinks for everybody. Uh, at one point, Frank Furter cuts up this ham into like very, very like small pieces. It's really it's really awkward. And at one point, uh, Frank Furter st- uh, stands up, he raises his glass and he's like a toast. Two absent friends, and then everybody's like, two absent friends. And then Fred Fur is like, and to Rocky. Uh, I actually found this clip, I'll play it for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rocky. Happy birthday. Shall we? 
My favorite part about that is the fact that Janet just trails off. Like, everybody just immediately shuts up, but Janet's just like, Happy birthday, see. You know, she's like, okay, we're back to being awkward and quiet. And at some point, um, uh, Dr. Stout mentions Eddie, and everybody's just like, Eddie? Or Columbia's like, Eddie? And Frank Furter is just like, um, he's like, it's a rather tender subject. Anyone meet anyone? And Columbia quickly realizes something that's going on. Um, let's just say they're having meatloaf for dinner. <laughs> so Columbia realizes there's something uh, odd going on right away. And she gets up, leaves the room, and you hear her cry and scream and everything. And uh, Dr. Stout is just like, it's worse than I thought. Aliens. And everyone's just like, no, what are you talking about? And then Fred Furt is like, do on, Dr. Stout. Or should I say, Dr. Von Scott? And Brad's just like, just what exactly are you implying? And Dr. Stout has a weird outburst. Like, he delivers this line weird. Just everybody's, like, yelling. And he's like, that's all right. That's all right, Brad. <laughs> and then he's just kind of awkwardly, um, he awkwardly, like, laughs or whatever. And to explain, you know, what he's after, he sings a song that is called Eddie's Teddy. But he must have been drawn into something making him warn me in a note which reads what's it say what's it say i'm out of my head oh hurry or i may be dead they must have carried out their What a god! Makes you cry. Hey, hey, hey. Und I did. Don't worry, I'm right here. I just gotta close my door a little bit. Cause I forgot to close the door because I'm an idiot. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, guys. I just had to, uh, quick close my door. The good thing about putting songs in this episode is that I can pause whenever I want and just, you know, go to get a drink if I need to. But anyway, where are we at? We just finished with Eddie's Teddy. So right as the song ends, Frankenfurter stands up, pulls the cover off the table to reveal that it's basically a casket with Eddie's dead body in it. So... That's when I said, you know, when I made the joke, they're having meatloaf for dinner. Hopefully some of you doubt that. Everybody freaks out. Janet runs into Rocky's arms. Frankenfurter is rightfully pissed. And this leads on to basically uh, uh, Frankenfurter leading Janet throughout the whole castle and basically berating her, leading her to the lab. And this is all done through the song Planet Schmanet Janet, which is not on the official soundtrack, but... Honestly, it should be because it's a good song. <laughs> I tell you once, I'll tell you twice. You better wise up, Janet Wise. Your apple pie don't taste too nice. You better wise up, Janet Wise. It should be all you need. You're essential as a pencil. Wound up like an your first string when we made it. Did you hear a bell ring? You got a block? Well, take my advice. You better wise up. Janet Wise. The transducer will seduce ya. My feet. I can't move my feet. My wheels. My God, I can't move my wheels. It's as if we're glued to the spot. All right, I want to pause this song for a second because <laughs> that part right there where Brad's like, it's as if we're glued to the spot. And then he does a little, like, arm thrust. Like, oh, my God, how... Like, the best part about the scene is how dramatic everybody acts. Like, they, like, ham it up for this scene. So, let's continue. You are so quick with fear, you tiny fool. 
tiny fools. It's something y'all get used to. A mental mindfuck can be nice. Also, points to that part for being the first time in the movie they say fuck. Anyway. Something y'all get used to. A mental mindfuck can be nice. You won't find Earth people quite the easy mark you imagine. This sonic transducer. It is, I suppose, some kind of audio vibratory physiomolecular transport device? You mean? Yes, Brad. It's something we ourselves have been working on for quite some time. But it seems our friend here has found a means of perfecting it. A device which is capable of breaking down solid matter and then projecting it through space and who knows, perhaps even time itself. You mean he's gonna send us to another planet? Planet! Schmanet! Janet! You better wise up, Janet Wiggins. You better wise up, build your thighs up. You better wise up. And then she cried out. Okay, so basically at that part, you know, Frederick Furter freezes them all, turns them all into statues, turns Brad, Dr. Scott, and Janet into statues. Now, I don't know if this is censored in the U.S. version, but the version that's in the movie, the clip that I just watched through, they're all actually naked. So Brad's statue actually has a penis. You know, Janet's statue actually actually has a vagina and some bobs. (laughs) So... Uh, after this, there's a scene with uh, Columbia, which I'll just play for you because it's actually coming up in the recommended after that clip. So here is Medusa. Because this is a monologue that Columbia gives because she's all she's pissed off at Frankfurter and she's finally letting him know how she feels. I can't stand any more of this. First, you spurred me for Eddie, and then you throw him off like an old overcoat for Rocky. You show people up and then you spit them out again. I loved you. Do you hear me? I loved you. And what did it get me? Yeah, I'll tell you, a big nothing. You're like a sponge. You take, take, take and drain others of their love and emotion. Yeah, well, I've had enough. You've got to choose between me and Rocky. So name because of the rocks in his head. And then he freezes Columbia. And then he looks up to Rocky, who's on the balcony. It's not easy having a good time. Oh yeah, it says that. Then looks up to Rocky on the balcony, and he's just there, like posing or whatever. And then has a riffraff flip the switch and freezes him too. So at this point, Frankfurter is all distraught. She's like, "Oh, everybody's turned on me or whatever." And they're like, "I'm gonna just, just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm tired of this bullshit. When are we going back to our planet?" And uh, Frankfurter basically is just like. Oh, well, you know, I want to go back, you know, whether you guys come with me or not. Basically, uh, doesn't give a shit about Riff Raff or Magenta. And so he basically tells them, like, tells them to get ready for the floor show. And then we have a little interaction between uh, Columbia and Magenta to, you know, kind of let us know that, you know, they're they're kind of into something else. They're kind of, you know, plotting their own thing. Uh, Frankenfurter gets together this floor show, basically taking all the statues, putting them on a stage, putting costumes on them, and that leads us into the song Rose Tints My World, which is honestly one of my favorite songs from this movie. Uh, it actually, like, there's like two different, there's like three different versions to this song. There's like three parts to this song, the beginning with the four statue people, the solo with Frankenfurter, and then the part at the end.
So one thing I do want to point out in uh, this part of the song, uh, Columbia, you know, sings her verse, and while she's singing, she's dancing or whatever, and she does a little shimmy at the end of her verse. And I believe this is only in the UK version that you see this. She has a full-on nip slip. Now, you're going to be like, of course you would notice this, Cameron, you dirty perv. But, I mean, come on. It's dead center of the screen. You can't help but not notice it. Like, your your attention, your, your, your eyes are drawn to the center of the screen. So, you can't help but not notice it. Um, moving on. So... The three parts of the song, you know, it's it starts with Rose Tins My World and then goes on to a little mini part called Don't Dream It, which is mostly sung by Frankenfurter. Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Swim the warm waters of sins of the flesh. Erotic madness beyond any measure and sensual daydreams to treasure forever can't you just see So it's at this point that, you know, during the song, you know, Fred Furt is like, don't dream it. Everybody else eventually joins in like, don't. They have a, basically they have an orgy <laughs> in this pool. And at one point, uh, Fred Furter gets unfrozen. And actually, if I can find the part, I'll play it for you because it's just, it's, it's hilarious. Don't dream it. We've got to get out of this trap before this decadence saps our wits. I've got to be strong and try to hang on, or else my mind may well snap and my life. Will be lived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So from that, we go into the final part of this song, which is called Wild and Untamed Thing. And this is basically Frankenfurter along with Janet, Brad, uh, Rocky, and Columbia all dancing on the stage, just, you know, having a wonderful time. Now, there's, it gets to a part later in the song where uh, Riff Raff and Magenta just bust in and basically they're like, yeah, we're going to take over. From there, we go into probably my my personal favorite, like my top favorite song in this whole movie. Uh, Frank Furter basically tries to reason with uh, Magenta and Riff Raff, being like, "Oh wait, you know, we I don't want to be your prisoner. I want to be your equal. I, you know, we need to leave this planet together." So Frank Furter tries to explain that to them, and 
He does it through my personal favorite song in this whole movie, I'm Going Home. It's a beautiful song and really shows off how well Tim Curry could sing. It's just, it's amazing. (laughs) On the day I went away Was all I had to say I want to come again and stay Smile and that will mean I'm there Wow, this episode's going on for a long time. If you're still with me, first of all, thank you for sticking with me. I really appreciate it. But, you know, just hold on there. We're we're almost at the end. So, after this, basically, Riff Raff is just like, yeah, I'm not buying into your bullshit anymore. And points this deadly weapon at uh, Frankfurter to basically, you know, kill him. And Frankfurter freaks out, tries to escape, climbs up the curtain. Riff Raff shoots him with his beam ends up killing him and Rocky is obviously devastated because oh I suddenly care a lot about you now so Rocky ends up trying to take Frankfurter and escape with him climbs up the uh the, the radio tower on the the prop radio tower on the stage and Riff Raff is trying to shoot him with his beam but it's like bouncing off of him for some reason because I guess he's Superman <laughs> suddenly so he's climbing up this tower and you know Riff Raff is trying to shoot him and <laughs> Rocky does this little, like, King Kong thing while he's got uh, Fred Fur on his back. He turns around, looks at Riff Raff, is just like, while shaking his fist. Eventually, uh, Rocky does fall victim to the beam. The tower he climbed comes crashing down into the pool, you know, the orgy pool. And now Rocky and Fred Furter are floating dead in the pool. And uh, they said, like, they're like, oh, you killed him, like, to Riff Raff. And Magenta was like, I thought you liked for him. Or, like, referring to Rocky, like, I thought you liked him. And then Riff Raff, out loud, is like, He didn't like me! He never liked me! And Dr. Scott pops up, he's like, You did the right thing! Uh, Riff Raff then points the gun at everyone else, and he's just like, Basically, he's just like, Alright, we are gonna go back to our planet now. We're gonna go back to our galaxy of Transvidia on our planet of Transsexual. So he basically tells them, like, get the fuck out. We gotta go. And they're like, well, first off, there's gonna be some guy revving his engine outside my window because, of course, people are like that. But anyway, he basically boots them out and Riff Raff and Magenta prepare. Like, they have this whole monologue. They prepare to basically send the entire castle back to their home planet. Now... This is the thing I was mentioning earlier, the thing that's important between the importance between the US and the UK version. The US version, when they take off on the planet, just like the house goes up and then it just cuts to Dr. Scott, Brad, and Janet just kind of laying, you know, struggling to live, struggling for air, and struggling to stay alive. Like they've somehow been uh, transported to the planet with them, to the planet of Transsexual. So it just cuts to them. The UK version, however, there is a song that actually kind of leads into this moment. And it's I, it's part of the like official soundtrack, so I don't know why they didn't include it on the official soundtrack. The song is called Superheroes. And basically, it's the one last song that plays for uh, the movie. It's the last song of the movie. Well, before the song that happens during the credits now again like i said superheroes the song superheroes is only exclusive to the uk version so play a little bit of it right here done a lot god knows i've tried to find the truth 
So then we did the zooming out shot of Dr. Scott, Brad, and Janet basically dying. And it leads us on to basically the end of the movie that cuts back to the, the criminologist, or the narrator rather. And I'll just let that play out for you. And crawling on the planet's face. Some insects called the human race. Lost in time. And lost in space. And with that, the criminologist leaves. It fades to black with the, with the only lit thing being the globe. And we get a reprise of science fiction double feature that plays during the end credits. with this episode god this is the longest episode we've done in a while uh with that that is the end of rocky horror picture show now let's look at some quick fun facts before i end this episode so uh this the movie was re-released obviously released on dvd and stuff uh looking at this home media section a the vhs for it was originally released on november 8th of 1990 holy shit retailing for 89.95 what the hell? $90 for the original VHS version? And this is in the U.S. God, we suck. Um, moving on here. The film was released on DVD in 2000 for the film's 25th anniversary. A 35th anniversary edition Blu-ray was released by 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment in the U.S. on October 19th, 2010. The disc, uh, the disc apparently included a newly created surround sound mix the original theatrical sound mix and a 4k 2k image transfer from the original the basically the original like camera footage in addition new content on the dvd also included uh karaoke and a fan performance thing which were basically subtitles that kind of you know it spelled out what people do, like the like the people that go to the, the special showings and participate along with the movie. It basically included subtitles for that in case, you know, you wanted to do it at home. A 45th anniversary edition Blu-ray was released in September of 2020 by Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment. I keep forgetting that because Disney now owns Fox. They own 20th Century Fox. So to that extent... Disney now owns Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's insane. Uh, apparently in 2021, the the UK, Ireland, and Canada, you know, specifically got it added to Disney Plus for them. This I want to read off because this, you know, piqued my interest. Uh, down here on the, uh, the reception, uh, actually, what is it? It said cult following. Basically under the cult following page on this. Uh, under the LGBTQIA plus influence, 
Members of the LGBT community comprised a large part of the Rocky Horror cult following. They identified with the embrace of sexual liberation and androgyny and attended show after show, slowly forming a community. Judith A. Pirano compares Brad and Janet's initiation into Frankenfurter's world to the self-discovery of queer identity and to the traditional initiation of virgins in the shadow screenings. June Thomas describes the midnight screenings in Delaware as a very queer scene, which increased visibility for the LGBT community. The fo- uh, This is a quote from them. The folks standing in line outside the state in fishnets and makeup every Saturday night undoubtedly widened the sphere of possibilities for gender expression on Main Street. The Rocky Heart Picture Show remains a cultural phenomenon in both the U.S. and U.K., Cult film participants are often people on the fringe of society that find connection and community at the screenings, although the film attracts fans of different backgrounds all over the world. Bisexuality, The Rocky Horror Picture Show and Me by Elizabeth Reba Weiss is part of the publication By Any Other Name, Bisexual People Speak Out, released in 1991. An anthology edited by Lorraine Hutchins and Lonnie, I'm going to mess up this name, Lonnie Kahumanu, it's a Hawaiian name, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. It's a book about the history of modern bisexual rights movement that is one of the first publications of bisexual literature. So to basically sum that up, it's, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show is very popular, especially within the LGBTQ plus community. Like, it basically, it's a form, like, a lot of us see it as a form of, like, gender expression and just, you know, being comfortable with who you are and it's like sexual liberation but hey i'm sexy i'm horny deal with it fuckers (laughs) but yeah that's i that's one thing i was definitely fully aware of the big influence on the lgbtq plus community um richard o'brien apparently had drafted a sequel to uh rocky horror picture show called rocky horror shows his heels he, pitched, he drafted it in 1979. The script featured the return of all the characters from the original film, and O'Brien wished to re, to reunite the original production team, but the director, Jim Sharman, did not wish to revisit the original concept so directly, nor did Tim Curry wish to reprise his role. So basically, the sequel could have, would have happened, but Tim Curry did not want to do it. Um, instead, actually, Jim Sharman reunited with Richard O'Brien to do the movie Shock Treatment in 1991. Let's see. Shock Treatment, actually, was a standalone movie that had little continuity with Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, there's a little bit between, um, Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment, but it's not, like, exact, exact. Uh, let's see. The Rocky Horror Glee Show. Now, this is in, like you know, big, big, uh, media wise, how it got recognized outside of the original movie. The Rocky Horror Glee show aired on October 26, 2010 as part of the second season of the television series Glee and recreated several scenes from the film, including the opening credits. It featured Barry Boswick and Meatloaf in cameo roles. An EP album covering seven songs from the movie was released on October 19, 2010. On April 10th, 2015, the Fox Network announced it would air a modern-day reimagining of the film titled The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again. On October 22nd, 2015, Fox announced that the role of Dr. Frankenfurter would be played by transgender actress Laverne Cox. Ryan McCartan played Brad alongside Victoria Justice as Janet and Reeve Carney as Riff Raff and singer-slash-model Staz Nair as Rocky. Adam Lambert portrays Eddie. Tim Curry, who portrayed Dr. Frankenfurter in the original film, portrays the criminologist. On February 1st, 2016, the network announced that Broadway veteran Annalee Ashford would portray Columbia. On February 5th, 2016, Ben Viren joined the cast as Dr. Everett Von Scott. Kenny Ortega, best known for the High School Musical franchise and Michael Jackson's This Is It, directed, choreographed, and executive produced the remake. Lou Adler, who is an executive producer of the original film, has the same role for the new film, which premiered on Fox on October 20th, 2016. 
I'll be honest with you guys, it was not good. It was just not good at all. But it was nice that they got Tim Curry for it, and they did get Lou Adler, who was executive producer on the original film. But I think with that, I think I've talked long enough about Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you haven't seen it by now, just go watch it. It's available, I think it's available anywhere, really. You you can probably find it on a bunch of different streaming services. Actually, let's look that up right now. As long as I got my computer literally right in front of me. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, my 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 search history is going to be weird for like the next week. Because it's going to suggest me all kinds of Rocky Horror stuff. So, you can watch it on YouTube. You know, you can rent it for like 4 bucks. Uh, it's on Apple TV, it's on Vudu, it's on Amazon Prime, and apparently it's on Hulu as well. So, you know, just look around. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. Like, one of the biggest ones is Hulu, so apparently it's on Hulu. You know, go watch it. But, like I said, I've talked long enough, and I think all I can say about Rocky Horror Picture Show is that it's a great movie. And with that, I'm going to end this episode here. If you guys stuck with me with me for this you know, hour-plus episode, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I really enjoyed talking about this movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. And I just wanted to share that joy with you guys. So hopefully you guys enjoy it as much as I do. And if you don't, then you know that's all right, too. It's just not your thing. But with that, I'm going to end this episode. There's more Halloween spooky stuff to come this month. But if you want to give me suggestions for episodes to do, uh, let me know on social medias. You know, link is in the link tree in the description. Otherwise, just look up Midwest Crisis or Midwest Crisis 93, just anywhere on social medias. With that being said, drink plenty of water. You know, hydrate yourself. Like, seriously, hydrate yourself. Uh, just do positive things out there. You know, be nice to one another. I've been your host, Cameron. And as always, my ghost ghouls and non-binary fools, I will see you in the next episode. Nerd out.